If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Our guest today is Felicity Perry. Felicity's been an all-round horse person. She used to have horses and ponies and basically did a bit of everything. She's done show jumping, eventing, dressage, breeding and hacking. And she's also done some coaching. She's been a teacher and lecturer in horse management and is a coach, coach educator, does a bit of judging, teaching adult riding clubs and mentoring young students. How are you, Felicity? Good afternoon, Glennis. <laughs> Very well, thank you, and a happy new year to you. Good to talk to you again, Felicity. Yes, good to yeah, talk to you yeah. too. Now, have you got a favourite quote for us? Glennis, I have. Am I allowed to have one more than one? You can have, you can have two quotes. I'm sure they're both can good ones. Can I have ones. two? You can. Okay. <laughs> Probably about one of my favourite quotes is one that was in Franz Moringa's book, Horses Are Made to Be Horses. Mm -hmm. In my early informative years in my teens, Franz Moringa was the coach of the Australian equestrian team. He was, in fact, the first equestrian coach. And right at the beginning of his book, there is a saying called the Serenity Prayer, and it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I often reflect on this quote since reading it because it's not only with horses, but in all aspects of life, it's been a great inspiration to me and gave me very great strength two years ago when my husband Russell lost his battle with motor neuron disease. Russell was a wonderful mentor to me and to our daughters. And he was a very wise, astute and caring man. And this serenity prayer was a great comfort to me. And another one was a lovely quote, which was written in my autograph book at primary school all those many moons ago by a very dear family and horse friend, Judy Cullen. Life is only froth and bubble. Two things stand like stone. Kindness in another's trouble. Courage in your own. And this pearl of wisdom has been etched in my memory ever since and has played an important role in throughout my life. Can I give you one more, though? Franz Moringa had a wonderful philosophy from his book. He did, And the years yeah. that I trained under him, because I went to nine of his schools here in WA. That must be more than pretty much anyone else, you know? Like, yes. that was a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, sorry. Keep going. He said, well, from the Spanish riding school with his 12 years there and his wisdom with riders and horses in both Austria and in Australia, he had two wise philosophies, that experienced riders should train young horses and that inexperienced riders should ride the experienced horses. Mm, mm. This has served me very well when I've been asked advice from various riders whether they should take on a horse. Yep, yep. It's yep. safety, isn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm. And it's just, and I talk to some riders now and they say, look, I learnt to ride on a, you know, a three-year-old. It's a bit of a horror story. And they, you know, got rid of the horse or someone stepped in to give them a hand or it's just, it can put people off for life. You know, what could be a really good rider, a really good horse person, and they get a young horse and it just puts them off. They lose their confidence. and Lose their yeah. confidence. And doesn't agree help. more with you. Yeah, it doesn't help the horses either. No. Mm. Mm. So that was, that's been with me all the time as a coach and rider too. When yeah. you get asked advice, I've Definitely. stuck with that. Yep, yep. 
All right. Now, I know you had a lot to do with horses and ponies when you, you know, used to do a bit of everything, but tell us about how you started with horses. My early memories are from a very young age growing up on the family sheep and grain farm at Drumclaw Beverley in Western Australia with my family, my parents and three siblings. So we have my parents, Tom and Leslie Barrett-Leonard, and grandfather, Frank Barrett-Leonard, bred and raised thoroughbreds. Um, Dad served in the 10th Light Horse in WA, and after World War II, his horse Lorna came to live on Drumclaw Farm. Mm-hmm. Mother brought her horse, Chatter, who was by the famous Sire Black Monk, to live at the farm after she married. Chatter was a wedding present from her Uncle Bill. I remember these horses. Mum always loved horses. She started the Drum Club Pony Stud in 1958. It closed down around 1997. We've all loved being involved with the Pony Stud and showing the stud ponies, and some of her ponies went to New Zealand. They did very well here in WA. They went to Sydney, they went to Melbourne, they went to New Zealand, and we shared that love with her, as well as Dad being keen that we rode as well. So we grew up on the farm using our ponies for sheep work, we competed at the local Beverly and York Horsemen's Association, Jim Carner's Agricultural Shows, the Royal Show. And when Mother started the Beverly Pony Club, we all rode at Pony Club. In fact, Mother Leslie and her good friend Bobby Flay started a little pony club called the Jilgering Club in 1962. This closed because it got so big that they started the Beverly and York Pony Clubs and we were members of both Jilgering and Beverly, all four of us. We had wonderful times there. Both sisters, Jenny, now Brockman, and Dinah, now Fleming, and I are all in... EANCAS Level 2 General Coaches and Coach Educators, and we still are, and we share that joy between the three of us. Jenny rode her wonderful Galloway Drum Club Bush Bug in Sydney when he was Reserve Champion Galloway Show Horse at the Nationals, and Dinah has represented Australia in Pony Club eventing and show jumping in South Africa. So they've gone on to do wonderful things. My brother Graham went on to work on the family floor farm, but he also competed with me. We went to the Blackwood Marathon a couple of times together, and he was clerk, of course, for the Beverly and York race meetings. I used to love showing some of the stud ponies in the breeding classes at the Perth Royal Shows. Mum's granddaughters, Philip and Elizabeth Perry, our daughters, and Marika Barrett-Leonard, my brother's daughter, and grandson Edmund were all members of the Beverly Pony Club, and they rode drum club ponies too. Marika went on to represent Australia in the Pony Club Mounted Games in Canada. I started my coaching career in Pony Club when I was about 20, and I'm still coaching there occasionally as a guest coach. (laughs) So it's been a long time at Beverly, but it's a lovely club, very lovely, lovely people there. And what a great pedigree you've got, really, you know, as far as horse people goes, you and your... Well, mum and dad, grandparents, and then children, so our children and my brother's children... And even Jenny's couple of boys, they rode at the um, Brockman's Riding School. Jenny had a lot of the drum club ponies at the Brockman's Riding School for Mm -hmm. many, many years. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of been thorough right through our family, hasn't it? You're almost like equestrian royalty, I think, the whole family. (laughs) (laughs) You'll keep. (laughs) I hardly think so. Okay. But it's been a lovely, joyous ride through life, yes. All right. Now, what made you decide to start coaching, to become a coach? Because you've not only become a a rider, it's a coach, and you've sort of moved on from there. I think uh, initially I was a school teacher, as were Jenny and Diana. We were all school teachers Mm -hmm. and phys ed teachers at that. We always, of course, grew up with horses, so we had horses at the back of our minds. So moving from teaching to coaching just seemed a logical step Mm. for us all. 
it was something we loved, we grew up with, and then we had the formal qualifications of being trained teachers as well. All three of us taught at Pony Club even before the NCAS system started. Mm. I think it started in 1987. Can you remember? Now, I thought it was just a little bit earlier, but, you know, maybe... No, 84 it was. Mm, That would be more like... 84, that's right, it was. So when that started, we all decided that was a lovely way for us to go. It was was just the next step in our work with horses and people and education. So it sort of fell into place for the three Mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. So we did our level one and then we went on to level two and of course later became coach educators, all three of us. Mm -hmm. It was a lovely thing to go into because we, we love teaching, basically. Yep. Yep. Now, because you you know you're sort of talking about the more classically one, but what about other areas within horses? You've done other things. I'm thinking about, you know, racing or trotting or polo or something like that. Well, growing up as we did in Beverly, yep. um, and we'd go to the gymkhanas at York and Beverly. You know, we'd sort of hack in the morning. You'd jump, do jumping in the afternoon, and then you'd do novelties and games after uh, that. Okay. Yes. Yes. So that was how our day went. Was it the same for you? That was just a normal day. I just wanted to do a bit of everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. same. I don't know, yeah. And then then we'd, um, I think mum or dad gave us a couple of polo sticks, so we hit those around on the farm with the Mm. horse ponies and hit polo balls and polo (laughs) sticks. Mm. And then I suppose the games, the hacking, the jumping, and then along came eventing. Yes. So, you know, I mean, we all rode our ponies to bring sheep in, we rode them to bring the milking cow in. We hooned around on the farm playing cowboys and Indians with our friends from town. They'd come out with their ponies after school on weekends and we'd play cowboys and Indians with pretend guns and arrows. We'd play circuses after the circus had been to town, you know, stand up the backs of our little fat ponies and see if we could stay up there without falling off. Nothing frightened us. It was just we play, play, played. Mm-hmm. We had such a good time. We were very lucky children. Mm-hmm. So these were all part of our growing up, mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. you know, and then I think the show jumping came stronger, venting came, so we joined all that too. We did a bit of everything, <laughs> you can imagine, Yep. and did that for years until we found where we wanted to, you know, specialise in. It, it's good and to Pony have that. Pony Club offered us those yep. sorts of things too, you see. Yeah, yeah. And riding at Pony Club, there was, you know, games, there was eventing and and jumping and dressage. Mind you, dressage was very low on the calendar in those years when you were young. Mm-hmm. It required far too much discipline. <laughs> yes. And yeah. we've all thoroughly enjoyed it as we've got older. Each, all three of us, yeah. Diana, Jenny and I, are all doing dressage. And, and really like good to get that, that grounding. You know, the really good grounding to just go out and do everything, not yeah, specialise. And also the other thing I did when I was younger, for one year I was an unofficial track rider mm-hmm. on racehorses. Okay. in your race tracks well before ladies were allowed to ride on tracks and in fact <laughs> I can remember training these horses in the dark with just car lights mm-hmm. to shine around the track because it was totally illegal <laughs> and the trainer that I was working for in Beverly said I need to just put this horse against some other horses and you're going to be at 3 o'clock in the morning we'll have the car lights around the track at York or Beverly <laughs> <laughs> you'll be riding my horse and I can remember going flat out around the track with a show jumping saddle or an all-purpose, I can't remember mm-hmm. which, and the car lights would shine their way around. It was totally illegal. Because <laughs> girls weren't allowed to ride on official racetracks in those days. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> I yes. think Jenny and Dinah may have done the same when they... There was a year off after I left school. I think Jenny and Dinah may have done the same thing. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. You'd mm-hmm. have to ask them. <laughs> now, now, you can see, I mean, just talking to you, you can see, you know, the sort of person you were, the character traits and the 
the skills that you would have used, but what about someone who's just starting in a career with horses? What sort of character traits and core skills do you think that they need to have? Look, I mean, obviously they have to have a passion for horses. Mm-hmm. The, obviously, they don't want to go in blind. They have to know that it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hours yep. to be involved in the industry, whether it's the trotting industry, the racing industry, the equestrian industry, the polo industry. It's a lot of hours, and a lot of their friends will be out playing socially and they will be up at the crack of dawn and they'll be going to bed early because they need their sleep. It's a lot of commitment, but if their passion is there, it's a wonderful, joyous career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they do have to know that there's, it's long hours. Yes. And a yes. lot of hours that are probably voluntary and not paid, but the rewards are there for them. Yeah, I think you find that out pretty quick, you know, because a lot of people think that they want to work with horses and they might mm. start but then not last very long. No, because it's very long, dedicated, hard hours. Mm, And mm. I think that life these days is, well, it is. It's a lot easier in terms of, you know, modern technology with washing machines and things like that. Everything's more accessible Mm. and easier. And the long, hard yakka hours are sometimes just too hard for the young ones as they're growing up. Mm -hmm. So they can try it, but a lot won't survive because there's often extra hours you've got to put in where it's just dedication Mm, mm. but if they stick it out and they really enjoy it the rewards gradually come I think Franz used to have Franz Ming used to have a lovely expression he'd say nothing for nothing Mm -hmm. was one of his wonderful sayings that he had you have to put in the hard yards to earn the rewards but sometimes you know and they shouldn't feel bad if they find it's just too much yes Yes. Besides Franz, who else has helped you along the way? Well, I've been very... We had Tor Berman here. He did a wonderful job for us in the coaching. I've had some wonderful jumping training with Dianne Bennett Mm -hmm. in the early years. In the more recent years, I've had Anne Gozorowski. Mm -hmm. You know Anne? Yep. She's a level two coach educator. And more recently, Zoe Harrison. But along the way, even prior to those two coaches, I had Jeannie Gardner who was a wonderful inspiration following Franz. Mm-hmm. Because she was mm-hmm. trained by Franz, and I think she lives in Victoria now. She was okay. a terrific inspiration. And I've had some, also some jumping training from Fiona Hollenby and some flat work and dressage training with Nadine Merriweather. All those have been wonderful mentors mm-hmm. and inspirations to me, as well as my mother, Leslie Barrett-Leonard. She's been a terrific mentor and supporter. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think she has to the three of you, actually. To all three, yeah, in fact, yeah. my brother too, so all four and her grandchildren. She's been a wonderful mentor and enthusiast, but she never forced us to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She just had the love herself and gave it to all of us. Okay. What about horses that have influenced you? You know, I've had so many through my hands, and I suppose to isolate a few, you'd have to say the early ponies particularly would have influenced me because I had a number of horses and some of them had problems. I think that teaches you a lot too. Mm, for sure. Their personalities. I remember as a very young child being allowed to bring my favourite pony into the lounge room when it was pouring with rain because I thought she was going to get cold. <laughs> Little did I know that that wasn't quite the thing to do, but up the steps she came onto the veranda and into the lounge room. <laughs> so I remember her. <laughs> Another pony that used to drag a front foot all the time because he'd had a problem, but We managed to find a way to ride him. Others that had bad backs that I used to have to, and those those stages, because in those early years, I was also a state athlete. 
So I was able to run alongside that horse and just jump on him, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was bareback or with a saddle, because I had the skills to do it. And that was the only way I could ride him. You could never mount him on from the ground. Mm-hmm. He'd come to us from a sale. You know, you buy them at sales. Yes. And he had a bad back. And in those days, there wasn't much known about it. Mm. So we managed to find a way to ride him. And he became a B-grade jumper, so he was quite a handy little horse. Mm. But you had to know how to mount him, how to warm him up, and how to cool him down, even, you know, in the early days. Mm-hmm. But my athleticism at the time allowed me to do that. I could jump on him from, from the ground. I suppose, you know, all the games and things helped, but I was a state athlete as well. Mm. Mm. So he was a good little horse. His name was Bonanza, after my favourite television program of the day. <laughs> and then I was lucky enough to have a couple of hacks. Um, Galatea was one, and she had teeth problems. She taught us a lot about teeth. She had ingrown teeth. She had crooked teeth. And I learned a great deal through Mother with her. She's a little Galloway mare. We yep. bred her. And it was something the, the people at the time felt there wasn't a lot you could do other than to rasp them down. But I learned to ride her without a bit in her mouth, not a hackamore, just a halter. Okay. But yep. also if I wanted to compete, I had a rubber bit in her mouth, a straight bar, and she seemed to be happy with that. So I learned a lot about bitting in those days. Yeah. What yeah. you could do, she went on to be a C-grade show jumper, a little hack, and then a venting pony mm-hmm. with this straight bar rubber snaffle, which she seemed happy in. So I learned a lot about that too. So her name was Galatea. And then I went on to a lovely horse that came off the track. Both my sisters rode him before I did. And so he was a racehorse first, then he became a hack, then I turned him into a dressage horse. He was my first dressage horse. Mm-hmm. And we got him to medium, but by the time he was 14, he was fairly unsound, as you can imagine. Okay. But he was a lovely horse. He took me to medium. And then I got a lovely little horse from the Eastern States called Gill Park Princess Fatima, an Anglo-Arab who also took me to medium before she broke down. And there are sort of various theories going around as to why, but I bred a couple of lovely foals from her. Mm-hmm. And the current one I'm riding, who's turned 20 last year, <laughs> still sound, and I'm having a lovely time keeping fit on her I don't compete, but I choose my little fitness health, health okay. and fitness horse. Yep. 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 So there's been a number. Uh, there was a couple of beautiful Welsh ponies we brought out from Wales, two stallions particularly called Sinton Whirly Gig and Blackamoor Superstar. I competed on them in um, ridden pony stallion classes, and we had a lot of fun and a lot of success, and Sinton Whirly Gig did some very nice dressage for me too. Okay, good, good. So all of those moments with all of those horses... Mm. Has there been like a standout proudest moment or do you think there's been a few? How does that work? Look, there's been a few. I find it they all gave me such a lovely time. But I suppose if you look at the older horse, Harper's Bazaar, who came off the track and was a hack and then a dressage horse, he did two Blackwood Marathons. Have you heard of the Blackwood Marathon? We have over it, here. That's a, it's a bit of an endurance race as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's an endurance yeah. race. Yep. And we have uh, a swimmer, a runner, a canoeist, cyclist and a horse rider. Mm-hmm. And I rode in two on him. So after he'd finished his dressage days, <laughs> after mm-hmm. being a racehorse and a hack, yep. he then turned to being a marathon horse. At a lot of fun because I won two, in my team of five, yep. won two Blackwood marathons. That was very challenging and exciting because it took me into another field, which was really great. Yes, yeah. And the little mare, Gil Park Princess Fatima, whom I bought in Sydney when I was living over there for three years, went on and at the very first time we had freestyle to dressage, freestyle to music dressage in WA at the state championships, we placed, I think it was fourth in a Europa and the very next day there was an EFA WA event 
for Novice Elementary and we won that. Oh, good. As well as being Supreme Champion ridden at an Arabian Championship show. Mm-hmm. So she gave me a lot of pleasure and it's, she's the mother of the one I ride now. And the other one I expect was showing the drum class stud ponies at many, many, many royal shows. <laughs> and because I'd gone to Wales to help mother choose the, the Welsh ponies to bring over here to join the existing Australian ponies that we mm-hmm. had. And I showed many of those ponies at the world and we had such a lot of fun. They were such characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they challenged me plenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Okay, now I want you to think about yourself as a coach. Uh-huh. what's the common problem and how would you tell them to correct it? Give them a bit of a tip on training. Training tip? Mm. Look, I think that one of them you noticed is that they obviously they have a love of horses. That's the first one. But that yep. can turn to putting themselves in danger when they feel they know too much too soon. They haven't had the hours with the hands-on, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. with a range of animals in their hands. And... The alertness, the sharpness really comes with years and years and hands-on training. So if they work with somebody who they trust implicitly, that will keep them safe while they're learning the skills because the young ones are always in a hurry mm. and they've got yet they've got all the time in the world and yet we old ones who are running out of time have got the patience. It's a complete corollary, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. The young ones are in a hurry and they want to get there quickly And I can just say to them, take your time, absorb as much as you can and watch horses as many as you can, watch riders, watch handlers, watch breeders, listen, learn and take your time Mm -hmm. because if you hurry it, you cut the corners and then danger appears Mm. on the horizon. It it sort of goes back to that, you know, what you were saying before about experienced riders training young horses, green riding experienced horses. Mm -hmm that if you're a bit green and don't know, to put yourself into the hands of just not knowing maybe an inexperienced horse is even worse than having an experienced horse. Like have your mentor, have your experienced person around Mm -hmm. you, but have an experienced horse as well. Absolutely. Mm. It's just, it's the safest way. Nothing's pure, nothing's 100% safe because they are an animal of flight. Yep. But that is a safer way to go is to have work with, while you're learning your skills, work with the more experienced horses. And we did that at TAFE. You know, we would have, when I was lecturing at TAFE, we'd have a range of horses for the students to handle. Mm-hmm. And the inexperienced handlers would be placed with the old senior horses that would been mm-hmm. around a while. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the experienced ones that came into the courses would be given either the horses that had a few problems or the younger horses that we had there. And, you know, trying to sort of build their experience and build their trust that being at keeping a really good eye on things that can happen. Mm. Mm. But there are so many. Yes. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Yes. Now, you, I know that you teach at adult riding clubs, but you also have, you know, you're mentoring the young students. And you had said about, you know, the older ones being a bit more patient, younger ones being in a hurry. Anything mm-hmm. else, any other big tips between, you know, teaching? And this is for other coaches as well, you know, tips between teaching younger people and teaching older people, what the difference is between and the ways that they're taught different. I think that... When you have the young ones, you have 
absolutely gold in your hands. Mm-hmm. They are so keen to learn, but they get they switch off quickly when you either talk for too long, which yep. I hope I'm not yep. doing now. Yep. No, no, you you're not. Them, it's good. Or you put them down, uh-huh. or you criticise them too much. With it. you can be practical about it. Yep. But you can very easily get the switch button turned off when they stop listening to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that as coaches, we have to know our students very, very well and be really strong mentors and set the example ourselves. Okay. Okay. That would be my tip is to be a good mentor, set an example, be courageous, but be sensible mm-hmm. and be patient and oh. enjoy them. <laughs> no, just enjoy them because they're there. You've got gold in your hands. Try and nurture it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know that Horses Are Made to Be Horses is going to be one of your favourite books. Are there any others? <laughs> I do. That is probably has been my Bible for since it came out. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I may add there that when I went to School of Francis in 1970, in those days they were two-week schools and you had Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. And during... I'd started university at that stage. I think I was in second year university. So I'd begun to be reasonable at taking lecture notes. So mm-hmm. I, at Francis School in 1970, I wrote copious lecture notes from his two-week school. And at the end of it, I was so proud because he came to me and he said, would you mind posting a copy of those notes to me? I'm going to write a book. <laughs> yes. I was very touched. I almost had a tear in my eye even when I was young. Mm. And I posted them to him. And sometimes I think when I read the book, perhaps there was a little something or two that of mine that went in there. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. All his pupils who wrote, he would say to them, would you mind sending me a copy? And I noticed at the front of that book that his pupils and his wife and friends put together, they said thank you to some of the pupils who had sent notes and had mm-hmm. helped them. Mm-hmm. So I like to think that maybe a little line or two of mine went in there somewhere. Yes. So yes, that book is there. It's my Bible. I used to think of the world of him. And my mother used to send, well, I went to nine of his schools and I found his wisdom inspiring. Mm, mm. I like to uh, very much the principles of riding, the official instruction handbook of the German National Equestrian Federation. Yes. I love the basic training of the young horse by Rainer Klimke. Mm-hmm. The British Horse Society's Manual of Horsemanship is also excellent. And my last one I really enjoy reading is Monty Roberts, The Man Who Listens to Horses. Yes. Yes. They're probably my Bibles. Yep. There are a few. I have a lot in my library, but they're my favourites. I was going to say, a bit of a mixture there, but all popular books. Yep. Yeah, some of them are out of print, of course. Uh, so I don't <laughs> get horses are made to be horses, which you'd expect. Yeah. But the principles live on, don't they? Yeah, and they get revised and updated and everything. And they get revised they're still, and updated, yep. yeah. Yeah. All right, Felicity, what are you looking forward to now? Well, look, I still enjoy riding for... Yep. Pleasure and Fitness on my aged mare, Isis, who's 20, and it's Fatima's daughter. I occasionally put myself out there and ask Zoe Harrison to come and chase me around and give me a lesson. Isis is still sound, so it's quite useful. When she was younger, she was not a very suitable competition horse. She was very, very flighty, very skittish. But as she's got older, she's actually rather lovely (laughs) because she's still got enough go in here so I don't have to work too hard. So I love riding maybe three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. I enjoy very much coaching the riders and their horses and I love assessing in the EA certificates. Okay. I know okay. they're under review. Yep. But I think they're very worthwhile. Yes. I really believe we've got a golden opportunity to build on these coach training systems 
mm-hmm. for the EA certificates to train our riders, our coaches, the horses, and but also we have an opportunity to maintain high standards of morals and ethics and professionalism in our in this modern world, and to give the best possible care for our equine partners through these courses. Mm-hmm. So many riders and coaches come under a lot of criticism through social media, and I think through the doing the certificates, training our coaches, we can help them handle and help their riders, and. I mean, judges come under criticism, riders come under criticism, and I think that through our training system of the coaches Mm. and the riding and horse management certificates, we've got a wonderful golden opportunity to help them overcome the modern idea of such heavy criticism somewhere. Yes, yes. Would you agree? I think, look, I I think also too, you know, like it's all right to say um, to become a coach, to learn about horses, that's the technical technical correctness, Mm. you know, even just... Learning how to communicate with people. There's so many other skills that you need to know besides just the technical correctness. Huge, isn't it? Yes, and, and talking about and mm, morals, ethics, and standards. I think that's um, mm. that needs to be taught. You know, I mean, at school, but also coming into any sort of education system, and and looking after the horses as well. You know, making sure that we've got the horses' welfare top of mind as we're doing any top training. Top of mind, but also. You read about bullying and sexual claims in other sports. You mm, only have to mm. look at the papers in the last 12 months yeah. and on the media to see what bullying and sexual claims there are in other sports. Mm. And I haven't heard anything about a question in Australia. There may have been, but I haven't heard any. But I think that, again, the training of our coaches, the training of our riders, we can cover this in courses mm. to just raise the awareness of it. Yep, yep. And we do have a golden opportunity with these courses. We just yes. have to work a way of putting them in and how we're going to do it. And it's going to take a lot of hard work. But yep. the courses are already there. They've been designed really well. Mm-hmm. We just have to tweak them every so often yep. and update them yep. Yep. and put in valuable information like, you know, the harassment and mm-hmm. bullying or whatever. Yep, yep. All right. Felicity, would you be able to just sum up your philosophy with horses into a lesson today for our listeners? Firstly, I would like to suggest to the coaches and riders that please don't always blame the horse. Look at what we riders, handlers may or may not have done first, that the importance of the basics and learning about horses and how they think and how they act and where they come from when you're riding and handling horses is very, very important. Just listen and keep learning about your horses, every instinct, every little characteristic, and just remember the horse's basic instincts have been there for thousands of years. Be honourable, honest, reliable, trustworthy and set a good example of being a wise mentor if you're coaching your young pupils and whether that's young pupils or older pupils. And be prepared to keep learning because it's a life skill. Learn about your horses, learn about your riding, learn about other people and just keep learning and keep interested in life. It's a wonderful thing to do. If once we stop learning and enjoying the learning, I think that it's like an, an end point of our life. Mm. It's ongoing all through life. But enjoying people, enjoying coaching, enjoying riders, just enjoying life, I think, and making the most of the smallest little things Yeah, would be my wise advice to young people, but also to older people too. Yeah, yeah. I've been very fortunate in having a wonderful lot of mentors in my life. And, you know, I have also got two wonderful daughters who are also becoming my mentors now. <laughs> the young turn the tables on us. Yes, yes. And it's healthy. Yeah, I think you have an open mind and you can uh, 
keep learning, just keep learning from everyone keep around learning. you. Mm, keep mm. enjoying and appreciating the little things in life. Yep, yep. All right, Felicity, now how can people contact you? They can contact me both mobile and email, Glenis. Mm -hmm. My mobile is 0408 contact details will be on horsechats.com slash Felicity Perry as well. Okay. Thank you for that, Glennis. That's all right. Thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to us. I've certainly enjoyed going through your family history, family royalty, I think. Um, oh, thank you, been enjoyable. Yeah. You know, I think some of the stories you've got with horses, I think they're the sorts that you need to be telling your grandkids as well so they carry that love of horses on and... Um, keeps going on for generations to come. Thank you for that, Glenn. It's <laughs> been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank you for having me on the program. No worries. We hope to catch up again soon. That would be lovely. Thanks, Felicity. Bye. Okay. Thanks, Glenn. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 